This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. So quite another milestone, a legal milestone that was reached yesterday as the National Assembly yesterday resolved to impeach a public protector Advocate Busiswem Kweban, 318 members of parliament voted in favor of, the, of, of her removal, while only 43 voted against her impeachment. The outcome of a vote makes Busiswem Kweban the first uh, public protector to be removed from her post. In fact, the first head of a Chapter 9 institution to be removed. It marks the end of a, uh, what has been a long and arduous uh, Section 194 impeachment process, which culminated last month in several findings against Ms. Mkweban. The Constitution contains three grounds for the removal of the head of a Chapter 9 institutions, namely misconduct, incompetence, uh, and incapacity, which uh, refers to uh, somebody not being able to fulfill their duties because of illness and so or some other physical fitness. Let's speak to the... Uh, president of the African Transformation Movement, Vuyolwetu Zungula, who was a member of that Section 194 committee. Uh, Mr. Zungula, you have, uh, good morning to you, by the way, and thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, you have uh, sat through these proceedings, uh, lengthy as they were. It has now reached this conclusion. Your reflection as somebody who was a member of this committee as well on how the process unfolded. Um, morning, TT. Look, this um, the process, the inquiry was uh, inquiry that clearly had a predetermined outcome. It was biased against Advocate Mkwebane. You recall that um, the rules that were set up to guide the the inquiry did not even include that Advocate Mkwebane must have must be legally represented by uh, lawyers of her choice. It took Advocate Mkwebane going to court for her to actually have. Uh, you know, legal representation, which is something in which um, Parliament would have um, actually trampled on, you know, the, the, the justice or the rights of nat- natural justice for advocate in Kwewan. During the proceedings of the process, um, the chair was biased heavily against advocate in Kwewan, also biased against members of the, the committee who were citing uh, you know, um, wrong things and highlighting to the committee on the wrongfulness on some of the actions of the chairperson. Now, what also made it very, very difficult um, for, you know, for, for many citizens to actually buy into that process was when there were bribery, bribery allegations, which, by the way, are still subject to investigation by the ACPS. And these bribery allegations were made by uh, you know, the husband of Advocate Mkweban and provided evidence in the form of a voice note, in the form of screenshot, in terms of text messages of people who wanted to influence the outcome or of that particular process. The last one is how the, the, there was a change in terms of the oral testimony to written testimony and how Advocate Mkweban uh, could not even answer for some of the uh, for, for some of the statements mm. or accusations that were made by the other witnesses. Okay. And the fact that for some of the process, 
she was not without um, she was not without legal uh, she was without legal representation which clearly shows that um they wanted her to be as vulnerable mm. as possible you know um I, I don't know really whether it serves any purpose really in, in in traversing some of these things but now let me just pick up on what you are saying about the fairness of the process what in your view would have ensured the fairness of the process if you say the chair was biased and that there was a predetermined uh, outcome what would have ensured that that was not the case what needed to happen because this is not to be the last well of uh, these kind of processes uh, it's important that lessons are learned what needs to be done differently going forward firstly um is that rightfully as you are correctly stating that parliament must operate in a manner that is beyond reproach in a manner that gives confidence to the people that no matter how we may differ politically but it must defend the rights of people even if personally as a chairperson you may not like another person therefore it cannot be that you are going to um you are going to have a, a court order that states that any person that is subject to that inquiry must have legal representation when there are issues whereby that person does not have legal representation the committee proceeds without the person being legally represented by lawyers of a choice Second. Is it not one of the things, though, that needs to be clarified? Because what you speak about uh, in terms of uh, legal representation is that what the Constitutional Court ruled was that she's entitled to rep- legal representation of her choosing. But there were, this is probably something, and I wonder whether this is what needs to happen now. Uh, there was never a clear clarity on who needs to foot the bill for those legal um, for that legal representation. Is that not something that requires further clarity going forward? No need. Um, this case is very clear because when President Ramaphosa suspended her, that letter of suspension was very clear that all of the benefits she accrued or she had as a public protector, she's still going to have them. The only thing that will change is that she will not be working, she will not be in office. Now, remember that when the public protector is in the inquiry, she's in the inquiry in her capacity as a public protector, meaning that particular office should should pay. Similarly, when a minister is taken to court, um, people cannot be asking Ukuba uh, who needs to foot the bill. It's that respective department. So it cannot. We, so what we do not because like, I mean the issue here came about where the problem in the end when uh, when it comes to legal representation was that uh, uh, funding or money that was allocated for such legal re- representation uh, eventually was exhausted. Indeed. Yes, it wasn't exhausted. However, that is not the problem of advocating Kweban. You'll recall that even in the State Capture Commission, when money was exhausted, um, the Minister of Finance made plans to avail more money so that that inquiry is able to proceed without Mm. the resource limitation. Now, what happened in this inquiry is that it seemed as if deliberately money for the legal presentation of Advocate Mkwebane was exhausted and there was no, okay. uh, you know, means were not yeah. availed for her to actually get the legal presentation of her choice so that she's able to yeah. defend herself. So the point that we're making here is that the, the question of legal presentation is central because mm. you needed 
um, the person that is subject to the investigation to have all of the resources to defend herself and yeah. not be handicapped by a local... And finally, though, most importantly, is that we've spoken a lot about process, but I've not heard you uh, say anything about whether um, the findings against uh, Advocate Mkwebani that she was indeed uh, had misconducted herself and had uh, displayed incompetence. So you are of the opinion that this did not come to... No, that this was not proven in the proceedings? Look, the conclusion that was taken in that particular report... Um, fails to include the version or the rebuttal of Advocate Mkwebane because we'll recall that by the time um, this matter was concluded, Advocate Mkwebane was not there. Therefore, how can a committee... By her own choice, though. No, 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 because she did not have legal representation. It's not by her own choice. It's her not having legal representation, of which something that was confirmed by the courts. So how can a committee conclude on a matter... Um, without taking the views of the very same person who is supposed to be giving a side of the story. Okay, we'll leave it there. That is Voyolo to Zungula, president of ATM. Thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, let's uh, just uh, on the back of that bring in uh, Lawson Naidu, who is with the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution. Uh, Lawson Naidu, good morning to you. So a, man, a significant moment here in the history of South Africa. We have the first head of a Chapter 9 institution um, to be removed from office. What is What, in your view, is the significance of this moment? Uh, good morning, Titi. Thank you. Uh, well, I think it's a significant moment for accountability in South Africa, something that uh, uh, we have been sorely lacking in recent years, where pe- uh, people who have behaved errantly are actually called to account uh, and held to account. Now, this process, as you said earlier, has been a, a long and tortuous one, but uh, Parliament eventually got there yesterday, uh, re- reestablishing the fact that the head- heads of Chapter 9 institutions are indeed accountable to the National Assembly, and where there are serious allegations of misconduct or incompetence, mm. those are investigated and appropriate action taken. So I think that's that's the main takeaway of yesterday, that uh, the National Assembly has asserted its authority in enforcing oversight and accountability. Let me put to you the question that I asked uh, to Mr. Zungula a moment ago there about, because it seems as uh, in the end, this case hung around whether the public protector, uh, whether Busisiwe Mkwebane did have the legal representation that she was entitled to. In your view, is this something that requires further clarity? Because, you know, the for better or worse, wrongly or rightly, the legal counsel of uh, Ms. Mkwebane's choice had taken the filibuster approach, if I can describe it as such, in the sense that there were interlocutory applications, uh, interlocutory applications, there were, uh, things were dragged out very long to the extent that the money ran out eventually. So, I mean, surely you can't have an open-ended process. Uh, I mean, not even the courts operate that way. You can't just argue forever. There will be time limits that are placed on things. Just your observations and thoughts on that. Well, I, t- I totally agree, Titi. There needs to be some kind of framework for how funding is made available. Uh, it certainly cannot be that it's an open-ended checkbook that, you know, uh, irrelevant cross-examination of witnesses can continue for days on end that have no bearing on the allegations that have been placed uh, before Parliament, which is what we saw here. And where I agree with Mr. Zungula is there was a deliberate attempt to exhaust the funds. But that a deliberate attempt came from the side of Busisiwe and Kobane, mm. who kept taking interlocu- bringing interlocutory applications, 
whose counsel, as I say, meandered into uh, cross-examining witnesses, raising issues about clean audits of the uh, public protector's office, which had nothing to do with the allegations of misconduct and uh, incompetence that was before the committee. So it was at her own door that those funds were uh, uh, were exhausted. Uh, and you know, I think a pool of funds need to be need to be made, made available that must be used in a reasonable manner in order to address uh, the issue at hand. Here, what we saw was a total waste of resources. Yeah, Lawson Naidu, as always, thank you so much as well for your perspective. Thank you. You've been listening to a Power ninety eight point seven podcast. For more podcasts, visit power nine eight seven dot co dot za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.